Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Well, now we know why they were keeping the bill a secret. It stinks. <laughs> what do you say? Hello, everybody. Here we go, man, on a big Friday. What the hell am I doing here on a Friday? <laughs> Wait a minute. All right. See you later. It's a big day. It's a big day. <laughs> yeah. Got to have you here. I had to call him the big dog. <laughs> <laughs> the big dog rules here. <laughs> Friday, June 23rd. Yep, indeed. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> That's a way back machine there. Man, alive. Yeah, it feels good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had no hallelujahs for that Senate health care bill yesterday. Mm-hmm. Man, what a piece of crap that was. No. Yes. And yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, it is worse than the House bill. We'll take you all the way through it, all the different provisions. And as of now, they don't have enough Republican votes, although... I say, don't believe all those Republicans who say they're voting, going to vote against it. Some of them, I would mention any names like Ted Cruz, are just playing for the uh, cameras. At any rate, we got so much to talk about. And lordy, lordy, Donald Trump admits there ain't no tapes. He was just kidding. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like he's kidding that he really did win the popular vote if only five million people had not voted illegally for Hillary Clinton. Oh, my God. So much to talk about. So much you are going to want to complain or bitch about, so you can do so by going on Twitter. Send us your comments at BP Show on this Friday, June 23rd. Good to have you with us. We'll get right to it. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Now, one thing we know about Donald Trump is that he likes a lot about Donald Trump. Uh He likes to play golf. Yeah. And one thing we know about golf is golf is a game of rules, right? I mean, there are traditions, there are rules, there are some things that you just don't do. One of those is if you have a golf cart, you don't drive it on the green unless you are Donald Trump. No. SB Nation has the video of no. Donald Trump driving on the green at Bedminster Golf Club, which is his of course, club. The Donald, a, a club owned by Donald Trump. Now, 
There is a major women's tournament, the U.S. Women's Open, that's going to be happening there in a little over three weeks. And he's driving his fat ass around on a golf cart on the green, that. which is not, which is like the height of laziness. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, the greens are very sensitive. Well, that's I the mean, thing. That's, They're that's very delicate. Very, very, very. Of uh, all the, you know, the property on a golf course, right? The fairways, the rough, all of the fine, fine. But the green? No, no. I played even, golf. Not even the approach to the green. I've played golf with a lot of rubes and clods. You played with me. I bet I played with you. Well, I mentioned you. Rubes yeah, and clods. Rubes and clods. <laughs> and I've never seen anybody drive a golf cart onto a golf, uh, uh, onto the green. No, neither. Not I. ever. Neither not I. ever. But they have video. I've seen it at night when there's drinking involved. Oh, but... no, that's a different story. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but in the actual game of golf, if you're so lazy that you can't walk over to your ball on the green and put it in, uh, Donald Trump can't do that. So shame on him. Just another reason to hate him. There is a new analysis from the Pew Research Center that takes a look at who's going to libraries. Mm-hmm. Turns out millennials are leading that category in a big, big way. 53% of millennials say that they have visited a library or a bookmobile in the last year. Baby boomers are at 43%. And Generation X, the 36 to 51, ages 36 to 51, 45%. I have some bad news. What? As a millennial, I have not been to a public library in the last year. Wait, really? Yeah. Well. And there's one literally right here, and I've lived here now since November. There's one, like, (laughs) um, two minutes from your house. I I know. It's it's literally right on the way to work. I love going to the library. The library's great. Yeah, right. By the way, well, you're the exception that proves the rule. Shame on you. But I have to say, this is the first thing I ever heard good about millennials. Right? Oh. <laughs> no, seriously. Jeez. Stick the dagger in. <laughs> On TV and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Yep, indeed, they kept it uh, hidden for a very special reason. Because they're ashamed of it, because the bill stinks. It is rotten. It is nothing but a massive transfer of wealth from middle-class Americans to the wealthiest of Americans who don't need a tax break and, of course, who don't need any help getting insurance because they can buy the best, the most gold-plated insurance that's out there. Hey, hello, everybody. On this Friday, June 23rd, it's a special edition of the Bill Press Show, special edition because I'm here. here. Right. Uh, but so much to talk about today, such an important day. We wanted to um, be here with you and give you a chance to talk about it as well. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., just about six blocks up the street from the Capitol where Mitch McConnell released, uh, as promised, the health care plan yesterday. We'll either today or the beginning of the week get the Congressional Budget Office scoring of the plan. But uh, it is every bit as bad as we feared. It is worse than the House bill in some respects. Uh, and it is a bill that Mitch McConnell hopes to ram through the Senate Next week, before they leave for uh, for the July 4th break, uh, they'd have to deal with reconciliation with the House version if they're able to do that. 
uh, after they come back from the July 4th break. But at this point, it doesn't look like they even have enough votes to get it through. It's good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being part of the program. As we come to you on YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. As we're looking at you on Free Speech TV, welcome, welcome in TV land. And uh, all, uh, all of our great friends out in WCPT uh, in Chicago land. Let's jump right to it. There's no, there's no other way to slice it. I mean, uh, I, I thought President Obama wrapped it up pretty well with his tweet. President Obama's tweet, uh, I'm sorry, he doesn't tweet. He put it on Facebook yesterday. I don't mean to drag him down to Donald Trump's level. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize, Mr. President. On Facebook, President Obama, quote, the Senate bill unveiled today is not a health care bill. It is a massive transfer of wealth from middle class and poor families to the richest people in America. That sums it up pretty well. The president continues, it hands enormous tax cuts to the rich and to the drug companies and insurance companies paid for by cutting health care for everybody else. I mean, so think about it. That's really what it is. It takes all the benefits of Obamacare for poor middle-class Americans who could never afford health care before. It eliminates all of those subsidies and all of those benefits and it transfers all that money. Now, notice, it doesn't use that money to come up with a better plan to provide more affordable assurance or better coverage for all of those people. No, 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 no. It uses all of that money to give tax relief to the wealthiest of Americans, those who are making, as a couple, over $250,000 a year. In other words, you're paying, you're making less than 250000 a year, which is by far the vast, vast, vast majority of Americans. You wouldn't pay this tax. Or if you're making over two hundred as an individual, you don't pay this tax. So, it's, so the tax, the benefits, all the tax cuts now go to Americans making over, from the middle class to Americans making over 250000 a year, or over $200,000 if they're individuals, the last people who need more tax relief. That's how President Obama summed it up. Front page of the New York Times does the same. Uh, this, now, this is the news analysis, right? This is not Democrat talking, Republican talking. This reporter just objectively looking at the bill. What does the bill do? New York Times front page this morning, quote, the bill's largest benefits go to the wealthiest Americans who have the most comfortable health care arrangements and its biggest losses fall to poorer Americans who rely on government support. That again says exactly, exactly what this bill is all about, exactly what it does. And can we just point out maybe for the first of, I don't know, 200 times in this in this two hours together, we could not say it often enough. Those poorer Americans, those working class Americans, those middle class Americans are the very people that voted for Donald Trump. Not all of them, but that a was a lot of them. A lot of them. That was his base. They're the people he appealed to. He is stabbing them in the back, totally stabbing them in the back. This entire bill is an attack on Donald Trump supporters 
by Donald Trump and Republicans in the Congress who don't give a rat's ass about working class Americans. It's as simple as that. So the guy who goes out and says, I want a bill with heart. The guy who goes out and says, oh, the House bill is too mean. He came out yesterday and said he loves the Senate bill, even though it's going to screw his people as if he had any people. Uh, the only people he really has are the billionaires. He made that pretty clear the other day when he said he didn't want any poor people in his administration. Uh, his, his only friends are the billionaires. So let's go through here. Bear with us. Okay, bear with us. Uh, by the way, I, I also want to point out, so the Senate bill, worse than a House bill, comes out. Uh, why are Republicans doing this? I mean, you got to ask yourself, why would they want to put this this millstone around their neck for the 2018 midterm elections? But they are. So the Senate bill comes out in the wake of the House bill and a poll released yesterday by the Wall Street Journal and NBC that showed that for, on the House bill, 48% of Americans say the House, uh, the House bill is bad for most, uh, for uh, average Americans. 48% say it's bad. You know how many support the House bill nationwide? S- pardon me, 16%. So here's, here's a piece of legislation that's going to be even more unpopular than the House bill once people get to know what's in it. And Republicans are making this their top priority. Again, um, bear with us. And uh, here are, as I jotted down from all reading this bill and reading uh, all the, the coverage on it yesterday, um, what this bill does. When I say it stinks, here's what I mean. First of all, it gets rid of the expansion of Medicaid, which is where most people today get their health insurance. It, it gets rid of the expansion of Medicaid under Obama. Uh, secondly, that's m- meaning expanding Medicaid. Okay. Secondly, it cuts <coughs> deep cuts in the existing Medicaid program. Uh, third, it reduces the subsidies that people get under the even under the House bill. That's why I say it's worse than the House bill. Uh, you could get a subsidy, qualify for a subsidy, if you were making four hundred percent more than the federal poverty level. Uh, now that's reduced down to 350% in the Senate bill. Uh, four, it eliminates all those, I mentioned that, those taxes that paid for uh, these subsidies, paid for Obamacare, paid for the expansion of Medicaid uh, through the tax on the very wealthiest of Americans. Uh, that tax is now gone. Now that instead of a tax is a big tax cut to the wealthiest of Americans. Um, no subsidies are allowed for any health care plan. Uh, that would cover reproductive rights, uh, including uh, abortion coverage. It would defund, so does the House bill. This bill would also defund Planned Parenthood for one year for anything, which means, of course, that once it's defunded, uh, it would be almost impossible to get back. That's what the Republicans are doing here. Uh, They don't have the balls to do it flat out, right, because they know that would be too unpopular uh, and uh, they may not even they may even lose some Republican votes over it in the Senate. So they just defund it for one year. So it's a little game that they're playing. Uh, I hope they don't get away with uh, it would uh, cut. The Senate bill would eliminate rather 
uh, any coverage for preventive care, which is probably the most important coverage available or that people ought to take advantage of at all uh, so that you don't wait until you're very, very, very sick and it co- it's going to cost a lot more to go see a doctor or go to the clinic or whatever. Uh, it would allow states to opt out of essential services, those very basic essential services, things like colonoscopies, colonoscopies and mammograms and just regular checkups, uh, basic things, maternity care, um, uh, prenatal care, all of that, those essential services that under Obamacare have to be part of any insurance plan, even contraception as well, uh, those essential services, uh, states could just opt out of those and say, no, we'll let insurance companies come in here and sell dirt cheap plans with piss poor coverage. If I can say that word on radio. I think you just did. I think I just did. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and that's what they offer. Um, It would uh, also, part part of that that they could opt out of is um, substance abuse uh, treatment or uh, addiction, addiction treatment, which is in this opioid crisis is Ugh. so, so vital. States could just say, nah, we're not gonna pay for that, which means people won't get the treatment, which means even more people are gonna, uh, gonna die of it. And finally, uh, it allows insurance companies to charge, I mean, this is hardly the final take on this healthcare bill. It's it, finally on the list that I made of the nine things that are maybe the most wrong about it. It allows the insurance companies to charge Five times more for older Americans than for uh, millennials or younger Americans. Five times more. And these are the people, might I add, in their age bracket who are, who gonna, who are gonna need healthcare more, uh, see doctors more, because they're, they're at that point where the body starts falling apart and things start happening. Uh, and that's the way insurance works and they've always been covered. Now, under this bill, it's going to have to, they're going to have to, insurance companies could fleece them five times more than they do uh, younger people. Uh, destroys the whole concept of how insurance is supposed to work. And of course, the dutiful Republicans immediately lined up behind it. Paul Ryan is just basically giddy with how good this plan is. From what I understand, their bill uh, tracks in, in many ways along the lines of the House bill. I think that's very good. That is not an endorsement. Yeah, uh, yeah. There if it is. looks like the House bill, it sounds like hot garbage. It's got to be good if it looks like the House bill. Yeah, right. They just took my bill and made it even worse, and that is so good, says Paul Ryan. And as to as to whether or not that they it's it's uh, fair to criticize the the Senate for for doing this whole process secretly without any public hearings or anything, Paul Ryan says, oh, no, no, that's no, they didn't do that at all. You don't release a bill before you finish writing the bill. You write the bill, then you release the bill. That's what the Senate's done. No, no, no. They're having no public hearings on the bill. They they, they have, look, that's so wrong what he said. Does he know how the thing works? Probably not. You get a draft bill, and then you hold hearings, and you consider amendments. You get people to say, this is good, that is good. Then you come up with a final bill. They did none of that. They released the damn bill yesterday without without most, like maybe, what, six or eight. We don't not really sure how many Republicans were involved in the drafting. They're the only ones who ever saw anything 
until yesterday. Not even members of the Republican caucus, let alone the Democrats, let alone you or me or the uh, or the general public. Uh, as Chuck Schumer said yesterday, wolf in sheep's clothing indeed. The Senate Republican health care bill is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Only this wolf has even sharper teeth than the House bill. Uh, yes, indeed. Now, here's the vote. Remember, they're going to do this with no, re- no, no Democratic votes. So, uh, again, Donald Trump keeps calling him. Oh, oh yeah, let, let's, let's stop there and talk about Donald Trump. So here's the guy who said, oh, that House bill, oh, man, which he, when they passed it, remember, he vo- invited them all down to the Rose Garden. They had a little big party. What a great bill this is. Then he turned around and said, I don't like that bill. It's too mean. Too mean. They said the other day out in Iowa, no, I want to build, or Ohio, wherever it was, I want to build, I want to build with heart in it. Yeah, throw some, throw some more money in it. I want to, we need a bill with heart in it. This bill, bigger cuts for average Americans, working class Americans, as he's pointed out, than the House bill. Worse than the House bill. And the first thing Donald Trump yesterday is, oh man, I just love this bill. It's a disaster. It's dead. Totally dead. And That's we're, Obamacare. Obamacare is a disaster. It's dead. Totally dead. And we're putting in a plan today that's going to be negotiated. Uh, we'd love to have some Democrat support, but they're obstructionists. They'll never support. We won't get one, no matter how good it is. Yeah. And he said he was very, very supportive uh, of, the, of, the Sen- of the Senate bill. Just contradicting everything he had said before. So, back to the math. Uh, the math is, remember, they need a 51 votes. That's the way they're doing it. They're doing it through what they call reconciliation, by the way, which is the same way that the Democrats got Obamacare through, because at that time, every Republican said they were going to vote no. Now, every Democrat, as they should, have said they're going to vote no. But Republicans don't care. They don't give a damn. They don't want any Democratic votes. They just want 51 Republican votes. There are 52 Republican senators. So they can lose, they can't lose more than two. If it's two, down to 50, Mike Pence comes in and breaks the tie. If they lose three, down to 49, it's dead. If they lose four, down to 48 or more, it's dead. As of this point, uh, a lot of Republicans are saying, we're going to have to read it and make up our mind. Four Republican senators so far, however, have said there is no way. Now, here's the phrase they used. I want to be careful. They're not ready at this point, not ready to support. Susan, uh, that that does not, let me get to her in just a second. By the way, those four are Ted Cruz, uh, Ron Johnson, Mike Lee, and Rand Paul. Uh, before you celebrate the fact that there are four senators who say now they're not going to vote for it, uh, let me just remind you again. Good for them. Oh, how yeah, brave. Right, who they are. They include <laughs> Ted Cruz. There's there's no way Ted Cruz is going to vote against this bill. He's just such a phony. He's just playing for the cameras right now. He's just grandstanding. Believe that. He, he will vote for this bill. It doesn't matter how bad it is. He'll vote for the bill. He's saying it doesn't go far enough right now. Rand Paul is saying the same thing. Ron Johnson is saying... We're rushing this. We need more time, and we ought to take more time. 
And I think Mike Lee is in the Ted Cruz. Yeah. So if I had to bet, yeah. certainly Mike Lee and Ted Cruz are going to vote for this bill. Mike Lee will do whatever Ted Cruz does. Right. So I, Ron Johnson might end up voting no. I wouldn't trust Rand Paul either. Maybe, but I'm not sure. If it means that the bill's going to fail, Ron Paul will vote for it. But we haven't heard from people like Lisa Murkowski uh, and Susan Collins, both of whom have said, defunding Planned Parenthood, there's already a prohibition against any federal funds going in any way to pay for any abortion. Uh, that's not what Planned Parenthood is all about. Both of those senators have said, if that remains in the bill, there's no way they could vote for it. Uh, here's Susan Collins um, yesterday on Planned Parenthood, Senator Susan Collins from Maine. Um, this, this just doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense to single out Planned Parenthood uh, from all the Medicaid providers. And, she said, at the present time, right, not something she can support. I can't support a bill that's going to greatly increase premiums for our older Americans or out-of-pocket costs for those who aren't quite old enough for Medicare yet. I cannot support a bill that is going to result in tens of millions of people losing their health insurance. So uh, I'd have to say I think she's a no vote. (laughs) No matter what they do to the bill, uh, I think Susan Collins is a no vote. So the point is, at at, at this, today, it's not certain that Mitch McConnell is going to get this bill through next week, no matter how hard he tries. We haven't seen the CBO score. Um, You've got to say the CBO score for this bill is going to be as bad as it was for the House bill. Uh, We've seen that this is the House bill, only 16% of Americans support. So Mitch McConnell may find out next week that he doesn't have the votes and have to put it off until after the July 4th recess, and even then may not have the votes, which brings us back to those of you who were with us yesterday on our program yesterday, Congressman John Yarmuth from Kentucky, who knows Mitch McConnell as well as anybody, having served with him for decades in Kentucky. His theory is that Mitch McConnell doesn't want this bill to succeed because he doesn't want it to be the millstone around the neck of Republicans in 2018. Uh, he's eager. In fact, yesterday afternoon, Mitch McConnell, he released this bill, and then he spent the rest of the day working with senators on tax reform, trying to get that bill ready. That's what he really wants to do. Uh, So we'll see if the Yarmouth rule holds, but it could be that that's exactly uh, what uh, Mitch McConnell has in mind. Throw this turkey out there. Uh, It doesn't succeed, and then he can say, well, at least we tried, and then move on. Not sure I buy that theory, but at this point, at any rate, Uh, They don't have the votes. Uh, We'll be talking more and more about health care with all of you today. Again, I look forward to your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Tierney Sneed from Talking Points Memo, political reporter, uh, will join us next. Then Congressman Raul Ruiz from California, who is a doctor uh, and led a whole group of doctors yesterday protesting uh, the Senate plan, will be here in studio with us, as well as Matt Laszlo from, uh, from Rolling Stone. But there was one, one other uh, big story yesterday. We know um, that Donald Trump, after uh, 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 James Comey, uh, uh, had, uh, he had fired James Comey after pre- James Comey refused to drop the FBI investigation. Uh, and James Comey the, got a little report that maybe uh, Trump had put that pressure on him. Uh, Donald Trump tweeted out, this is you know, about three or weeks or so ago, Oh, 
Comey had better not, he better hope there are no tapes of our conversation. Yeah. Uh, and ever since then, the question has been, are there or aren't there tapes? James Comey, when he saw that tweet or heard about that tweet, he was so concerned that Trump would try to totally misrepresent the nature of, uh, of his, uh, their talks that Comey decided uh, <clears throat> we better uh, have a little preemptive strike here. Uh, and he called a friend of his, remember, a uh, professor friend, and said, you know, I've got all these detailed memos, the notes that I took of our conversations with Donald Trump, every single one of them, uh, all nine conversations with Donald Trump, and I've got notes of every single one of those conversations. Uh, how about if I give them to you and you release them to the New York Times just to set the record straight in case Donald Trump does try to come up with some cockeyed version of what they talked about. And I said, so ever since, so that's that's the direct result of Donald Trump's tweet. But ever since then, it's been, are there or are there not tapes? Uh, Jamie put together a little montage here of some comments, mostly from the White House here, on this whole question. Were there tapes or weren't there tapes? The tweet speaks for itself. Uh, I'm moving on. Why won't you just explain whether or not there are recordings of President I think Trump's the president has made it clear what his position is. That's not my question. I've seen the tweet about tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. Well, mm-hmm. I'll tell you about that maybe sometime in the very near future. The president has said that he will make an announcement on this. I expect it this week. Um, and so when he's ready to, to make that announcement, we'll let you know. I'm not aware of anything. I think um, his statement here is pretty clear. Mm-hmm. So yesterday he promised by the end of the week he would tell us he did yesterday. How else? In a tweet that there are no tapes. He did not tape uh, any conversations with James Comey. The tapes do not exist. This is just so weird to me. It I think the whole thing so is so weird. Weird. It is weird. So uh, why did he do it in the first place? Well, why does he do half of his tweets in the first place, right? Can I, re- can I read the, the tweets for The exact here? tweet? Just, yeah, yes, This please. is what he tweeted yesterday. <laughs> With all of the recently reported electronic surveillance, intercepts, unmasking, and illegal leaking of information, I have no idea whether there are tapes or recordings of my conversations with James Comey, but I did not make and do not have any such recordings. Now, first of all, Trump did not write that. There is absolutely yeah, right, no right, way right. on God's great earth yeah. that Donald Trump Good sat point. down and strung those words together to uh, form he, those sentences. He's incapable of doing so. He's literally right. incapable of doing yeah. so. But first of all, what he's trying to do is, is, is that he could, he's suggesting that maybe he too is a victim of the NSA uh, intercepts, right? Yeah. That they're listening in on his calls, so there may be some tapes up there in the sky somewhere in the iCloud or whatever, or in the NSA bank. But- he does that as a way of getting around to saying he did not tape any conversations with James Comey. Uh, I'm still not sure I believe him, but I think, again, it is really weird, Peter. And this, But this is also the first time that Donald Trump has been caught in a tweet, and there's been enough public pressure to force him to retract in, in, in his own style, but to retract. Now the question is, what about those other big boasts or big lies that are out there that he hasn't yet retracted. What about uh, <clears throat> Barack Obama wiretapping Trump Tower? Remember, that's still hanging out there. Sure is. They won't answer that one. Uh, what about he would have won the popular vote except five to six million people voted for Hillary Clinton illegally. Um, mm, that's still hanging out there. What about that one? Uh, what about 
Well, things would have been different in New Hampshire if Democrats had not bussed hundreds and hundreds of people from Massachusetts up to New Hampshire to vote. Um, how about that one, Donnie? <laughs> That's still hanging out there, too. So there are all those other ones that are still there. There, there could be more. I, they're the three that pop into my head. But this is the first one where he's had to say, nah, that's not true. Yeah. In his own way. By the way, we are on Twitter at BP Show. We got a lot of comments on the health care <laughs> bill from the Senate. Uh, Jessica says, so it looks like poor women won't get uh, free cervical and mammogram checks. Result is a higher cost when they actually do yes. get yes. sick. Uh Get it, says, I just realized it's Friday and Bill Press is hosting. Holy cow, what day is it? Uh, and resistance, yeah, Stevie. Yeah, you're damn lucky I'm here, too. <laughs> Stevie says, uh, Republicans want to gut Medicaid because it helps the poor pay their Medicare premiums. They are wiping out the entire social safety net. Total. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Again, President Obama summed it all up. It's a massive transfer of wealth from poor and middle-class Americans to the wealthiest of Americans. We'll talk more about this with Tierney Sneed from Talking Points Memo joining us next. Good to have you with us. Don't forget, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. The tweet speaks for itself. Uh, I'm moving on. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. On a Friday, June 23rd, hello everybody. Welcome. The Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. And our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters. Yes, the good men and women of our firefighting departments uh, all across the land. Under President Harold Schaitberger, we depend on them. They're on the front lines protecting American families every day. Thank them for their good work. Thank them for their support of the program. I'll direct you to their website to learn more at IAFF, IAFF.org. A little bit of breaking news this morning. Uh, the president appearing, um, oh, my God, how unusual, on Fox and Friends. Oh, God, he even tweeted out this morning. You can follow me. You can see me on Fox and Friends this morning. And he chose the occasion uh, on Fox and Friends uh, to um, defend himself uh, about this uh, the and take on Robert Mueller, the special counsel, and sort of defend himself against the uh, this uh, his special investigation as to whether or not he may have obstructed justice. Um, Donald Trump uh, telling uh, Ainsley Earhart. Earhart, you thank go. you, from uh, Fox and Friends. Well, you can't really trust Mueller because he and Comey are best buds. He's very, very good friends with uh, Comey, uh, which is very bothersome. Uh, but he's also, uh, and we're going to have to see. I mean, we're going to have to see in terms, look, there has been no obstruction. There has been no collusion. There has been leaking by Comey. But there's been no collusion, no obstruction. And virtually everybody agrees to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny? He always says, everybody agrees to what I'm saying when nobody agrees. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump also saying that, uh, look, uh, you know Mueller by the people that he hired. 
So we'll have to see. Uh, I can say that the people that have been hired are all Hillary Clinton supporters. There you go. So Tierney Sneed joins us from Talking Points Memo. Uh, Tierney, this is sort of a, a pattern with Donald Trump. The the judge rules against the travel ban, and he calls him a so-called judge. Yeah. I so mean, this guy's a so-called special counsel, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw the Washington Post had a great story this morning about, I guess now the strategy is that they're kind of fielding phone calls with Trump at like 6.30 in the morning before these morning shows to come on with his legal team to kind of try to walk him through the headlines and kind of try to calm him down so he doesn't go on Twitter and, you know, go on these crazy rampages. But in the Washington Post story, they kind of make it clear it's not really working. So they're trying new strategies to try to kind of keep him on message and away from even commenting on this. But it doesn't seem like they're getting very far. I think the one day that that worked was the day of the Comey testimony. That was, Yeah, I mean, that was... Because, uh, what's his name, Jack? The, 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 his attorney. Kazowitz. Kazowitz, yeah. thank Kazowitz. you, yeah. Uh, I think sort of laid down the law. Yeah, but know. then you had his son, Donald Trump Jr., who True. kind of was God. like the proxy yes. Twitter yes. basher. So. Yeah. But ever since then, the tweets have just have not stopped. He was tweeting like mad last night, and yeah. he was tweeting again uh, this morning, yeah. uh, promoting it. So, uh, so th- th- but th- this is you know you attack the judges, attack the uh, um, the the legal system mm-hmm. right now, attack the special counsel, and um, it's mm-hmm. that that's. Uh, um, a pattern of behavior yeah. that is used all the way through his business career too, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, but you know what? I think I think Mueller is just going to have his got his head down. And he's just going to yeah go right through. So you've spent a lot of time at the on the Hill, uh, and now we have uh, seen the uh, Senate bill was released yesterday. If you had to um, count the votes, will Mitch McConnell succeed in getting it out before the July Fourth recess? I'm pretty confident that he will find a way to get this bill to pass. Um, Before? Yeah, the timing is where I'm a little tripped up and the and the kind of the procedural wrenches that can be thrown because obviously they'll have to go through a parliamentarian. So that's why, you know, I'm a little I'm 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 still not entirely sure how it happens in a week. But I think you can kind of look through the legislation and you can kind of see where he gave himself a little bit of wiggle room to have sort of a repeat of the. House dynamics where you have the conservatives throw a tantrum and you kind of give them something. Then the moderates throw a tantrum. You give them kind of just a fig leaf to give them the cover to support it. It seems like he kind of laid out a scenario for that sort of cycle to happen. So everyone gets to say that they raised their concerns and got a little bit more, even though, you know, the bill hasn't really drastically changed since the House version, which a lot of these senators were pretty critical of at the time. So what you're saying is that some of those, which I believe is true, That some of those senators today, like a Ted Cruz yeah. or a Mike Lee, who say no, yeah. they're just saying that on their way to a yes. Yeah. And I think if you read the the statement that they put out, I mean, first of all, it was a kind of a very orchestrated, like, we're going to have this statement between one or two, and there's it's going to be a couple of us. Like, it all felt very orchestrated. Yeah. <laughs> like, they kind of knew what they weren't getting in this bill, and they knew what they were going to ask. So it does seem just kind of like another round of negotiations that just the last round kind of has to take place publicly so they can kind of go back to their base and say, hey, I know you don't like this bill, but it could have been so much worse. Look at what we got you. Yeah. Um, so I think. So uh, Ted Cruz is playing games. Right? Yeah. No, there. I mean, I think Rand Paul is the only one out of those four who I think is a kind of a hard no at this point. Um, right. Right. Ted Cruz had like a little leaflet that he was handing out kind of outlining his path to yes. So, you know, he's. 
And it's all kind of very, I think it's, you know, again, more nego- like more bargaining posturing that it's so extreme that he, what he wants that, you know, McConnell will just have to try to meet him halfway. And then, you know, on the flip side, kind of figure out what to give moderates when they kind of start to balk. But I think you can see a lot of places in the bill where he can throw more money at certain programs or tweak things in a little bit that moderates can say like, oh, well, we made it better, too. So that's one of the things that I thought was sort of a, a self owned by Paul Ryan yesterday when he said that this is as good as the House bill. And the House bill is wildly unpopular. Yeah. And the defense from even some Republicans in the House were like, we're going to get it out of the House. Yeah. And the but Senate the Senate's going to fix it. Yeah. And Paul Ryan is still saying, well, this is this is great. This yeah. looks a lot like the House bill, y'all. Yeah. Which is not a good thing. <laughs> no, no, no. And that's definitely not the talking point that senators want to be. Right. You know, up until but, this point, they were trying to say, oh, ours is going to be so different. It'll be vastly superior. We're going to fix all oh, the no. problems. And the House bill will be dead on arrival. Yeah. It's not going to look anything like the And it was all like kind House of a bill. way to sort of dodge answering the tough questions for the last two and a half months when you looked at all the you know negative impacts of the mm-hmm. House bill. They could just say, oh, we're fixing that. Yeah. And now it's clear they're not really, but you know, we only have a week to really put them on the hot seat for that. So how many Republican senators were actually involved in drafting this bill? And the actual drafting, not many. I mean, I thought, yeah. So they they had these working group meetings, you know, that were officially like 13 members, but they ultimately sort of opened them up to anyone. So anyone could show up at these, you know, twice or thrice weekly meetings in McConnell's office to talk health care. But from the sounds of it, it wasn't like they were sitting there and writing the legislation. Everyone was kind of just airing their grievances and kind of saying what they wanted. McConnell was there with his staff. And then behind the scenes, they were able to kind of figure out what would be the, the, the combination of proposals that could get them to 50. But they weren't, you know, up until mm-hmm. Thursday morning, n- no one beyond, you know, McConnell had seen the legislation, you know. These people who are supposed I mean that is wild. Senator yeah. Lee, you know, who doesn't really talk to the press much in the hallways, but he posted a Facebook video on Wednesday saying, you know, my constituents who are frustrated with this this lack of transparency, I feel you. I thought being in this working group, me and my staff would be writing this legislation. We have not been right. included in that. Uh, NBC, you probably saw NBC and the Wall Street Journal uh, released um, one finding in their latest poll yes, yesterday, the timing was perfect, uh, that the House bill, since mm-hmm. nobody had seen the Senate bill yet, uh, uh, nationwide among Americans, the House bill, 48% said it's a bad bill. 16% said it's a good bill. Yeah. So uh, l- let's assume the same numbers would apply to the to the Senate bill. It might even be worse, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's the compulsion to pass this legislation that the vast majority of Americans don't like, don't want? I mean, I think it's a combination of things. I don't I mean, think there's a... Just I don't think there's for a, trouble? I don't think there's a better plan for them to put together, or at least to put together within a year. I mean, there's just, you know, they spent well, seven years. Nothing. Yeah, they spent seven years saying they were going to repeal yeah, and replace yeah. Obamacare, but they never made any serious effort of trying to hash out exactly. a replacement. And now they're going to do it in seven months because they also want to do tax reform. And it's, you know, there's, I don't see, you know, as bad as this plan is, I don't see any, like, you know, kind of silver bullet easy fixes that they could have done that w- would have, you know, also been potentially able to get 50 votes, that would have been, you know. I mean, I can see you can talk to the conservative side of the caucus, and they would have a very clear of what their potential bill would like look like. And you can talk to the moderate side of the caucus, the moderate side of the caucus, and get an idea of what their potential bill would look like. But you would never – merging those two is, was always going to be kind of a Frankenstein monster. And because they hadn't spent 
years really kind of duking it out and figuring out how to merge these ideas in a way that makes sense from a policy perspective, this is kind of what they're stuck with. Right. The only other option, which was probably was impossible for them, I guess, is yeah. to work with Democrats in fixing the yeah. problems of Obamacare. My suggestion was do that, but call it repeal of Obamacare. Yeah, no, and I think that was kind of, at first, my kind of guess would be politically, I mean, if you ignore sort of the base pressure, but in terms of the general public, you could have probably found a bill, and actually a bill that probably wouldn't have looked so different in terms of the sort of market reforms we see in this, in terms of more flexibility to state, and let's... You know, rework the tax credits. Leave the subsidies for the people who need them. Yeah, I think, but because they also wanted to kind of tack on this Medicaid thing on it, that was going to be a problem. And I think, I think the major inflection point—I don't think I appreciated enough at the time—was in 2015 when they did this sort of test run of a repeal bill through the reconciliation method. That was a blanket repeal. That was Republican only, and kind of proved to the base that, like, oh, we could do this with the only Republican votes. That there was no going back to say, actually, we're going to try to do this in a bipartisan way because that'll be health reform that sticks. Yeah. They had already kind of gone down this path of like, no, we're going to do it by ourselves. And, you know, they like to say that Democrats aren't coming to the table. But as soon as they kind of the, said, we're using reconciliation, they the, gave no reason for Democrats the, to come to the table. No, nor has there been any invitation for Democrats mm-hmm. to come to the table, nor have Democrats, you know, they haven't reached out to try to include them in the process yeah. or all. I mean, Donald Trump keeps, as, as he did again yesterday, calling them obstructionists. Um, so I want to ask you about uh, so the, the the president, you know, famously, um, after praising it initially, said that the House bill was mean. Yes. And then saying, you know, let's have some more heart. I want a bill with heart in it. You know, yeah. but throw some more money at it. But he was one of the first ones yesterday to come up and say how how strongly he supports yeah. the Senate bill. I mean, so. I mean, I what's think going everyone on? on the Senate does side. he have any idea what's going on? What, what's no, <laughs> I don't. No. I, yeah. I don't have any okay. indication. I mean, he has <laughs> Pence there pretty regularly. He has Price and Seema Verma, his CMS director. They're pretty regular. So there's definitely administrative officials that are keeping an eye on this promise or process. But I think the Senate kind of would prefer he stay out of it. And I think for them, one of the upshots of this only being kind of a weak process, this is going to be potentially litigated, is that. It kind of keeps the president away from it. And, you know, they're kind of just saying, like, let us just take care of this, you know. Like, they, I, I haven't heard anyone say that they want the president to be more involved. The only thing they'll say is, like, yeah, he can tweet and support it and go to rallies and say he's it's great. But, like, we've got this. Yeah, right. But this whole idea, you know, that some people have they say, oh, boy, well, if this bill isn't uh, generous enough to people with preexisting yeah. conditions or whatever, that Trump would veto it. Totally yeah. nonsense. No, I mean, I he mean, would sign anything Paul Ryan and, and, and Mitch McConnell put on his Those desk. comments leaking were obviously, you know, not great, especially for, you know, House Republicans who stuck their neck out only yeah. to have the, yeah. the president sort of throw them under the bus. Um, and I think, you know, moderates, of course, were kind of trying to use them to kind of say, like, look, the president's on our side. We need to make this more generous. And that sort of push in the pool behind the closed doors. But, like, I don't think anyone thinks that Trump has sort of a conceptual understanding of what would actually make the bill more generous. I think he just sees headlines. Yeah, that's it. No, that's all it is. You know, because if you ask Trump to explain what he would want, it's sometimes it sounds a hell of a lot like universal health care or (laughs) Obamacare or single payer. You know, it's like, at least in terms when he kind of when he kind of elaborates on the goals he wants to meet, it sounds a lot more the kind of the goals that you hear Democrats say, not what Republicans say. Right. 
Right. No, there's that huge gap between what he said during the campaign mm-hmm. and even to, to a certain extent since he's been in the White House with what he ends up supporting, right? Mm-hmm. And if and if he ends up um, uh, signing this. So um, one senator that we heard from, another senator that we heard from yesterday was Senator Susan Collins from Maine, mm-hmm. who uh, is coming at it from a different angle, certainly, yeah. than Ted Cruz. Uh, one issue that she has um, been very upfront about is Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, this bill would um, defund Planned Parenthood, like mm-hmm. the House bill, for one year. Uh, Susan Collins saying yesterday makes no sense. It makes yeah, no sense to single out Planned Parenthood uh, from all the Medicaid providers. Doesn't make any sense. And she says at this point, uh, she's not on board. I can't support a bill that's going to greatly increase premiums for our older Americans or out-of-pocket costs for those who aren't quite old enough for Medicare yet. I cannot support a bill that is going to result in tens of millions of people losing their health insurance. So she's not just playing games, or is she? Um, on the Planned Parenthood stuff, I think she's left herself a little wiggle room. She's hinted that what she wants is to be able to vote on a me- an amendment that would strip that provision, her and Senator uh, Murkowski, who's also opposed mm-hmm. defunding Planned Parenthood. So it seems like if she liked everything else in the bill or if she was comfortable with everything else in the bill, she could live with the sort of Planned Parenthood defunding if she got a chance to try to strip it and, you know, Maybe there's a third Republican out there, maybe Senator Heller, because he's kind of wobbled on Planned Parenthood, that it would be enough to kind of um, get the uh, the amendment out of there, you know, if you're yeah. voting on it with the Democrats. But, you know, that would cause them all sorts of problems with conservatives. Um, so I don't know how that would actually play out. But it seems like she's giving herself wiggle room on the Planned Parenthood aspect to get to yes. But, you know, those comments later in the day where she kind of really voiced some of these other concerns made me think that, it would. It's going to be a heavy lift to get them. I don't. See, she's been stressing that she wants to see a CBO report, and I, you know, I don't see like a CBO report that is like you know, way better than the House bill. No, like, can't, I mean, uh, like best case scenario yeah. is going to be the same. S- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like or like slightly. Yeah, slightly they might. Maybe better. it's like you know, twenty million instead of twenty three, and it's like right. congrats, yeah. twenty million. Yeah, people, it's still guys. twenty million people. Right. Try to spin yeah. that extra three million. I dare you. Yeah, like, yeah. Right. So I, yeah, I think she, her, you know, there's kind of been this gamemanship of like who gets to be these two no votes because you know I think right. no one wants to be the the vote that kills it, and um, I think you see the other, you know, everyone's kind of trying to stake it out who. And they're kind of posturing, like, who gets to be that person? So you mentioned uh, Lisa Murkowski as another possible no vote. Ron Johnson has indicated yeah. he might eventually vote for it, but he's not ready to, yeah. he said, in such a in such a rush. Are there others out there that we haven't heard from that um, isn't the Senator Caputo from... Uh, Capito has been an Capito, interesting sorry. to watch. Um, she's really concerned with the Medicaid expansion. Yeah. She's really concerned with the opioid crisis um, and... On Wednesday, when she came out of their sort of lunch meeting, where I think some of this stuff was previewed, she looked really not happy. Um, and you know, so far on Thursday, she kind of pulled it like I'm still reading the view the yeah, bill, so right. she hasn't yeah. you know really kind of engaged with the press on what she thinks. But they had been asking for 45 billion dollars and sort of an extra funding for addiction programs to sort of 
at least tried to buffer the, the Medicaid cuts, even though even that's kind of a low number. They got $2 billion, which is kind of laughable. But you can also, and this is what it goes to what I was saying before, you kind of see a place where McConnell's left himself some wiggle room to then, you know, when they protest, maybe give them $20 billion so that yeah. they can turn around and say, well... It's not what everything I wanted, but at least I got you twenty billion instead of two billion, and right. have cover to vote for the bill. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's how that getting mm-hmm. her vote plays out, and Senator Portman's kind of in, the, in the same sort of place. I as was going to ask about him too. Right? Um, they've been kind of in a an alliance in terms of kind of what they've been lobbying for behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, I think at this point they've set themselves up that they can raise concerns that McConnell can address by throwing more money at it. Um, Could this play out the way the House did, meaning uh, it, all, it went down in flames uh, at one point and, you know, the, and Paul Ryan had to call uh, Trump and say, we don't have the votes. Uh, he never brought it to a vote I and don't it fell apart. And then, you know, what was it, two or three weeks or a month later, they brought it back and yeah. they passed it. I don't think Leader McConnell is interested in a messy weeks long. I mean, if you remember in that three or four week period between the initial failure and when they were able to revive it. It was just, you know, will they, won't they, kind of yeah. bogged down oh, yeah. everything else. And I think if McConnell is going to fail, he wants to fail quickly. I don't want it to drag down the rest of his agenda, which is why he's continued to, you know, go with this July 4th deadline, even when so many of his members of his caucus don't really see the need to do it so quickly. Um, that being said, I still think he sees a path to get this done. And if it's, you know, a matter of, like, a couple extra days of hashing it out, maybe they need to wait for a CBO score. Maybe they have to duke it out with the parliamentarian. I think he'd wait a couple extra days. But I think if, if by, you know, June 30th, next Friday, they don't have the votes, he'll just let yeah. it die. And When are we going to see the CBO report? Uh, Monday or Tuesday. They're hoping for Monday. Not today. Not today. Senator Corden, you know, yeah. kind of put it out there. It right. might come out today, which, yeah. of course, everyone's like, oh, my God. But yeah. It's uh, Monday or Tuesday Monday. and vote on Thursday? Thursday or Friday, I would say. I mean, it's going to be a votorama, you know, which is yeah. typically uh. like an all-night thing. So maybe they start on Thursday and ends up being early Friday morning that the actual vote is taken. Um, yeah. Uh, by the way, Congressman Raul Ruiz from, from uh, California, who is uh, th- California's 36th district, a doctor himself and a very uh, outspoken opponent of this uh, of the House bill and now the Senate bill, uh, will join us in studio next year at the top of the hour. Congressman Yarmouth, John Yarmouth from Kentucky, w- was here yesterday, uh, who's known Mitch McConnell very, very well. Mm-hmm. He's got a he, his his theory is that Mitch McConnell is going to bring this to a vote, and that he doesn't really care if it lo- he Mc- yeah. believes that McConnell doesn't care if it loses because. He really is more interested in tax reform. Yeah. And he wants to have this vote up or down, yeah. whatever, and then and then move on. Uh, I was reminded of that this morning in the New York Times. They quote Mitch McConnell in his memoir in 2016. Yeah. The Long Game was the name of the memoir. Uh, he said as minority leader, he went out of his way to make sure that one party owned the health care issue. Here's what he wrote. Quote, I wanted a clear line of demar- demarcation. They were for this, and we were against it. So it sort of reminds me of what Yarmouth said, because if they pass this bill, then they own it. They They were for for it, and the Democrats were against it. This version. I think McConnell wants to try hard enough to get it passed so he doesn't get blamed for it failing. Yeah. Um, And I think... 
You're going to see, unlike Paul Ryan, who is out there giving PowerPoints and slideshows and on the shows defending his plan because it was kind of his plan, McConnell isn't out there, you know, really defending this on the policy merits. He's He doesn't care. <laughs> he's not, he's never been, you know, a, a great espouser of visions of health care reform. He's a tactician, so he will defend his process. That's kind of the most defense we've gotten out of him. But yeah, he's just trying as hard as he can to say, we've tried our hardest, but let's move on. McConnell cares about one thing, yeah. protecting his majority, mm-hmm. right? Like he's yeah. got a majority right now. He doesn't care if this is a good bill or a bad yeah. bill or how many people this helps or hurts. He wants to make sure that he keeps his majority. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I think he sees a long, messy process yeah. being a, a ne- negative. So he'd rather, like I said, if he's going to fail, fail quick, try his hardest in the short period of time and move on. Right. So you're heading back there today? Uh, no, I'm going to go back to the office. They're gone. Oh, no. oh they're gone. They right. left yeah. town. No, yeah. drop the oh, bell and get the hell out of here. <laughs> 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 that's the well, Senate way. <laughs> no, I know. It's good that uh, that uh, they're out of town, so it gives you, all of you guys a little break yes. here, not to have to chase them through the halls. Uh, thanks so much, Tierney. Thanks, thanks for, for having in. me. It was great to catch up. Hey, you can follow Tierney, of course, on uh, TPM, Talking Points, TalkingPointsMemo.com, back with Congressman Ruiz from my California. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, now we know why they were doing this bill in secret, because it stinks. We saw it yesterday. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say on a Friday? Friday, June 23rd. Uh, it is The Bill Press Show. It's good to have you with us as we reach out to you coast to coast, uh, all the way from the 36th District of California to the uh, East Coast here to Fenwick Island, Maryland, uh, or whatever the East Coast is for you. Uh, we're with you on the on the radio, on television, and it's good to have you with us with so much to talk about. Yes, the Senate bill was released yesterday. It's even worse in many respects than the House bill. Uh, and we also learned yesterday that, what do you know, Donald Trump was lying when he said, or at least he wasn't telling the truth, when he said he had tapes of his conversations with James Comey. He had to admit that there were no tapes. I guess you believe that. Uh, we are so pleased to welcome to the program the good congressman from Congress, California's 36th District, our good friend, Congressman Raul, Raul Ruiz. Hello, Congressman. Nice to see you. Good morning. It's good to be here. These are uh, tough days, huh? Troubled times. Troubled times with this health care legislation. Nobody knows it uh, better than you. As a doctor, knows exactly how this is going to impact uh, average Americans and people who need health care. Uh, and look forward to hearing more from you uh, about that. But 
first, we have to give it to this Peter Osborne. The, full court press. the most important man of the hour. Yes, indeed. Right. Yeah. Just a couple of the stories making news. Let's say hello and good morning to Jeff Wrights. He lives in Huntington Beach, California. In 2012, he was laid off of work and he decided that he was going to go to Disneyland. Because why not? It's not that far away from Long Beach. <laughs> and, well, he has now gone to Disneyland every single day <laughs> for 2,000 days in a row. Listen, Disneyland's not cheap. It's a Cal Ripken streak right there. It really is. So he bought <laughs> annual passes so he could go oh. to Disneyland and then the California Adventure Park, which is right across the, the uh -huh. way there from Disneyland. And he has gone for 2,000 days in a row. He says he just started going and didn't want to stop. And he, by the way, he has no plans on stopping. He has annual passes that expire in January of 2018. Mm. And then he says, after that, we'll see if I keep going. <laughs> Does he go alone? He, uh, Jamie, you're going to be shocked to hear that this man is a bachelor. Huh. <laughs> He's not married. I'm a little concerned about this man's mental health. But yeah, I would Good too. for him. But he, he's very happy. He likes going, and he actually gave some advice to people who wanted to go, like for a family vacation. His advice is make sure you use the app on your phone because you can keep up with ride times and ride closures and things like that. So, but know. what does he do? He doesn't do anything <laughs> while he's there. He doesn't do while anything. While he's there, oh, he rides the rides. Oh, he rides. Yeah, he rides the rides. He say he talks about his favorite uh, talks about his favorite restaurants that he likes to go to in Disneyland. Wow. Congress, Congress, 2,000 days. 2,000 days in a row. In a row at Disneyland. You I worked are, at Disney World, and I didn't work there you for You and I are going to work days. every day, and this guy's just good at Disneyland. Suckers. Yeah. 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 Uh, how, up, how old is he? That's uh, 44 years old. Okay. Yeah. Uh, an update here on- Old enough to know better. Old enough to know better, <laughs> know better is the exact answer. Tropical Depression Cindy, it has, like I mentioned, has been uh, weakened to a tropical depression. It was a tropical storm. It hit the U.S. Gulf Coast. Uh, it is a deadly storm. It did take the life of one young child, a 10-year-old boy. Uh, but they said that the flooding is relatively under control at this point. Uh, it is essentially uh, dying off. Yesterday, winds topped out at 45 miles south of Shreveport. Heavy downpours are still expected in East Texas, Alabama, and the Florida uh, panhandle. Six million people. Under tornado watches that covers New Orleans, Central Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. We're, I mean, we're into hurricane season. We are into hurricane season. It's officially started. It's, it? Yeah, we're there. So while this didn't officially hit a hurricane yeah. status, it was a tropical storm. Uh, it's now a tropical depression. Still lots and lots of rain, especially in that part of the world. Right. So lots to cover here uh, with the good congressman. Uh, and we will uh, pick that up in just a couple of seconds here on the Bill Press Show this Friday. on TV and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Well, what do you say? The Senate bill, we thought it was going to be bad. We didn't realize how bad it was going to be. Hello, everybody. Friday, June 23rd. It is the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Looking at you on Free Speech TV, coast to coast. And, of course, out in the greater Chicago area, uh, we're there with you uh, in your car, in your home, in your office, wherever on WCPT. 
Thank you for joining us. The big story of the day, the Senate health care bill released yesterday and here <coughs> across the table from us in the studio. Uh, a doctor himself, uh, any member of Congress, Raul Ruiz from California's 36th Congressional District, uh, who was there with um, doctors from all over the country yesterday in opposition to this bill. So sum it up for us. What is this? Uh, how bad is this bill, Congressman? Well, this bill is pretty bad. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's worse than mean. It's cruel and it's deadly. And I don't say that lightly because I take death very seriously. Uh, as an emergency physician, I have seen death. I have pronounced people dead. I have tried my best, and sometimes I bring them, bring them back, and I resuscitate them. And sometimes I have to tell their family members that despite everything that we can do, they have passed away. Let me tell you why this is deadly, because uh, you're going to have 20 million plus people uh, that's going to be uninsured. That's on top of the already 50 something million mm-hmm. that we already have. And when you don't have access to So these to are 20 million, if I can interrupt you, who do have coverage under Obamacare, who are going to lose it, right? Well, they, they haven't or, defined that yet. They're just, they just say that there's going to be 20 million more on top of what we have. So we're right. assuming that that's the case. Yeah, right. Uh, nonetheless- We haven't heard from the CBO yet. Right? Nonetheless, when, when you hear from Republican members that uh, not having access doesn't- doesn't cause somebody to die or doesn't uh, doesn't lead to death. You know, there's physicians and nurses all over this country who can tell you that that's absolutely wrong. I told a story yesterday at this press conference where we had a hundred doctors, medical students, nurses, mm. people in mm. white coats, providers out there <laughs> yeah. from all over the nation, from California to to the East Coast, who went up for, with Doctors for America and basically said that this bill, regardless if you're Republican or Democrat, patients are going to lose out, patients are going to suffer, and uh, there's nobody who understands the frustrations of not having health care, the frustrations of not being able to get your medications more than the patient and their physician and their nurse because they live it every single day. So this was a, a podium to allow physicians and nurses to have a voice to really talk about their patients. And I talked about a patient, a 55-year-old woman that I took care of in the emergency department. She came in with vaginal bleeding, hemorrhaging, very frightened, very afraid. Uh, we were able to stop the bleeding, and I and I fought tooth and nail to admit her to the hospital. She did not have health insurance. She, mm. she didn't have health insurance throughout this uh, time, so she never had her pap smears. So by the time we uh, admitted her and diagnosed her, she had advanced cervical cancer. Despite the chemotherapy, despite the treatment, six months later, it was too advanced, she died. Mm-hmm. And she that is a, a condition that could have been detected early, that uh, that could have been cured from, uh, from removing the cervix uh, while it was at its early stages, and she would have been alive. So not having health care leads to potentially death. And on that particular point, as I understand it, this Senate bill uh, allows states to opt out of providing essential services like cervical screening, um, mammograms, uh, colonoscopies, or whatever, which are preventive measures, as you point out, right, detected, see a problem early, take care of it. Exactly. So, you know, you, you, you states can choose now whether they want to keep the guarantee of the essential health benefits, which are emergency care, maternity care, mental health, Included in that is the opioid uh, uh, addictive mm-hmm. treatments right, uh, and pharmaceutical coverage. 
uh, and all the preventative care that, uh, that the Affordable Care Act guarantees patients to have. Now states could choose to say, we're no longer going to offer those if they implement a high risk, high cost, underfunded uh, insurance pool for those people who have uh, complicated chronic illnesses, which we know is gonna be so underfunded that those premiums and those costs are gonna go up so high that eventually they're gonna price patients out of that market. Mm -hmm. uh, President Obama yesterday uh, on Facebook sort of summed it up, uh, this bill. He said it's not a healthcare bill. It's a massive transfer of wealth from poor and middle-class Americans to the wealthiest of Americans. You know, healthcare, a healthcare bill would ensure more people get better health by having better healthcare coverage. That means more people. Pretty will, basic. It, basic. I mean, it's it's <laughs> yeah. common sense. It means it means more people will be covered, and you will have access to physicians, nurses, preventative services, and and other coverage. This bill reduces that coverage. This bill reduces people with health insurance. This bill, it, after ten years, might reduce pre reduce premiums, but it increases out of pocket costs overall. The, the, yeah, yeah, right. Deductibles. Sure. You know, and, and that's one of the, the gimmicks that, that the Republican leaders are trying to, to sell the American people and saying, listen, your premiums will come down, therefore health care costs is going to get better. Well, that's not true because premiums go down because they, they provide less coverage and the deductibles will go up. That means two things. When you actually do use your health insurance, uh, you're going to have to pay more for your deductibles. And the second thing is that they're not going to cover emergency care, for example. So when you go to the emergency department, you're going to be stuck with a bill of six, seven thousand dollars uh, for for uh, you know a five hour visit in the emergency department. And and so that's that's a falsehood that they're trying to say it's going to reduce sure. premiums, but it's actually not the first few years. But when it does, it's going to be because you're going to get a limit of a of a health insurance plan. Now, you were there with the, all, all these doctors, nurses, health professionals from all over the country. Um, is there any health professional organization, whether it's the nurses or the doctors or the hospitals or whatever, who supports this legislation? Uh, from To my knowledge, no. You have a I mean, in long, fact, they actively oppose it, they right? They actively have written letters <laughs> opposing the American Health Care Act. They haven't uh, voiced the, uh, their opinions yet because it just uh, the Senate bill was just released yesterday, but they have all actively come out in a, an opposition of the American Health Care Act, primarily because of the changes to the Medicaid program, and that is what is worse with the Senate health care bill mm. because they may say, well, we're going to phase out the repeal of a Medicaid expansion uh, longer. But the cuts that they're going to make to Medicaid is even deeper. Deep, yeah. And so, therefore, it's going to be more than what is already estimated, which is $800 billion cuts to Medicaid. And, and what does that mean? You know, to the average American who might have health insurance through their employee, they're going to be like, well, so what? I have my health insurance. But, but let's talk about what does that mean? That means there's going to be more people uninsured. 
that means that hospitals and doctors and clinics are going to have to increase their costs of care in order to compensate for the un mm -hmm. for caring for uninsured patients. That means that they're going to negotiate with health insurance companies, and health insurance companies are going to have to also take some of that burden, and they're going to increase their premiums. They're going to increase their deductibles. So that means that that person who has health insurance through their employers are also going to have to pay more sure, for the sure. uninsured patients. But in the human level, in the level of humanity, uh, you're talking about kids. 49% uh, of kids get their health insurance through the Medicaid program. Really? You're talking about 79% of children who are living with near the poverty level or below the poverty line mm -hmm. uh, uh, rely on the Medicaid program. You're talking about uh, millions of seniors uh, who rely on Medicaid to have nursing home care, to have home health type of services. Uh, so these are real human beings, and that's why it's so important that physicians and nurses gather in Capitol Hill, talk to their senators, talk to their representatives, and talk about their patients. I can guarantee you that there is no Republican doctor or Democratic doctor that prefer their patients uninsured. Yeah, right. Nobody. No hospital, no clinic, no doctor will say, I want my patients to be uninsured. And the and Trump care is going to ensure that millions of people will become uninsured. The Washington Post this morning has a very interesting um, little column where they talk about. Uh, so here are some of the people who are going to be I'm not going to read all the stories, but just the headlines. Some of the people who are going to be adversely affected. This comes back to your kind of a story and the examples they give are a 44-year-old breast cancer survivor, mm -hmm. a 27-year-old man receiving drug treatment through Medicaid, a severely disabled 10-year-old covered by Medicaid, a 59-year-old man who works as independent contractors. These are all real people, by the way, that they yeah. contacted. A 32-year-old woman earning below the federal poverty level, an 81-year-old woman in a nursing home. Now, there are millions and millions of Americans who fit into yeah. those categories. This bill makes it takes health care away or makes it more difficult for all of those. And that's just with the Medicaid. Now, the yeah. age tax is going to severely put a, a heavy burden on the shoulders of those that are 50 to 64 years old. The, because right they're now, not, enough, not ready for, so, for Medicare, right? But Well, because yeah. now this bill is going to allow health insurance companies to charge people 50 to 64-year-olds five times more than a young and healthy person. Mm. And 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 this is the age where people are planning their retirement, and but already, also where they they probably need and when they need healthcare the need most, healthcare more when right. they start developing the diabetes, when they start realizing yeah. that they have hypertension, when they start realizing that you know perhaps those years of smoking, you know now they have uh, chronic obstruct uh, uh, pulmonary obstructive disorder. So so that is. Those are going to be the biggest casualties of this, those that are on Medicaid and those that are between 50 and 64 years old with the age tax. Now, now think about your friends, your neighbors who are at that age, who are planning their retirement, who, who aren't even prepared, who don't have enough saving times because they were middle class and they were hurt by the recession, who are struggling to make ends meet, who are worried that now they have grandchildren and their children are having difficult times paying for their grandchildren's school. So they're thinking yeah. about helping out with the family. Right. These are individuals that can't find a thousand dollars to put aside for retirement, who can't find a thousand dollars to pay for an emergency bill. And, and now 
they're going to have to pay more for medicine. They're going to have to pay more for health care right at the moment when they're going to start to need health care. And these are Republicans and these are Democrats and these are people who live in the East Coast and people who live in in the, the Beltway and, and, and in the middle America. And a lot of these people are Trump supporters or yeah. were Trump voters. Yeah, and I mean, you know what? I, I care about them. We care about them. We care about Trump supporters. We care about the most ardent Trump supporters that are out there because as a physician, when they come to the emergency department and I'm taking care of them, I'm staying awake at their bedside, making sure that they can breathe, making sure that they have a pulse, making sure that that the next morning they can wake up and see their daughters and say, I love you, daughter. And the daughters can say and hug their daddy. I don't care if they're a Republican. I don't care if they're the staunchest Republican. I care about them because they're human beings and they should receive the respect and the treatment that every patient should receive when they go see a doctor. It, to me, it is so, it's just, just cuts across party lines. You know, this, 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 as you said, there's no Republican, no Democrat here, right? This right. is basic humanity. I mean, you know, this is the moral thing to do. And so, this is, yeah. Uh, go go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, on the political front, too. So, what you said, every, every the doctors, the nurses, uh, the health providers all oppose this legislation. There was a, stu- a report came out in the Atlantic yesterday. We had a reporter in talking about it where. This is going to cost maybe a million jobs, loss of a million jobs across the country, billions of loss of revenue to um, cities, counties, hospitals, to the general economy. Um, The latest NBC poll shows that 16 percent of Americans only think that the house think the house care, the house bill, house health care bill is a good bill. Forty eight percent oppose it. So with all of that opposition politically, why are Republicans doing this? I think for two major reasons. One is um, they are ideological uh, driven. Uh, so they, they, the, the no government, uh, everybody on their own, uh, support the rich and the world will be better. Uh, freedom for corporations to, to charge what they want and, and to treat the American people the way they want is, is their ideology, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and the other thing is, is, is power. They 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 want to win for their party uh, because they have been promising all these years. Now they're looking a little scrambled. Uh, now we're realizing that they really had no plan. All they wanted to do is oppose uh, President Obama, uh, and the plan that they come up with is 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 completely in line with their ideological belief that multimillionaires and billionaires should receive tax cuts and the middle class and those that are less fortunate are going to have to shoulder the burden of health care costs in order to give millionaires and billionaires the opportunity to save in HSA accounts, those that can afford it, uh, yeah. and and uh, and allow the uh, health insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies not to pay the taxes that help fund for, uh, the middle class Healthcare through the expansion of the Medicaid program. This is the other thing uh, that we need to talk about because you know we have to address the premiums that are going up and the insurance companies that are leaving the yes. exchanges. Yes. This is yes. this is real. This is real. And if Democrats don't speak to it, then we're missing the boat. And this is what we need to understand about this scenario. Which means fixing you know? Obamacare, right? Well, or, it means telling the administration and Republicans to get their hands off of the Affordable Care Act. What do I mean by that? They are guilty by omission and they're guilty by commission in two ways. Now, 
premiums are going up because I told you that healthcare costs are going up, pharmaceutical costs are going up. The, the re Trump care does not address that. In fact, they reward pharmaceutical companies with mm -hmm. tax breaks. Uh, the second thing is that health insurance companies rely on certainty and stability in markets, and they rely on more people joining the health insurance right. market in order to bring down health insurance premiums and costs for everybody else. The Republican Party and, uh, leadership and the Trump administration have been creating uncertainty since the very beginning. They have been doing a half-ass effort in enrolling people in the health insurance market. Mm -hmm. They have been yeah. telling people you don't have to enroll because it's no longer going to be there. So right. those numbers of enrollments are, are, are not going up as high as they could be, right? Because nobody wants to start buying a health insurance that they don't know is gonna exist for the next for the next year. The other thing is the Republicans have brought lawsuit to the Affordable Care Act with the subsidy, the cost sharing subsidies, right? That means, my goodness, is that gonna last? The Trump administration is threatening, saying we're not gonna continue the cost sharing subsidies. That tells insurance companies, holy cow, we need to now adjust for those threats by increasing <laughs> premiums. And finally, the third thing is that they have failed to implement health insurance mitigation pools and programs that allowed health insurance companies to blend their resources in order to accurately assess how many people are gonna enroll, how many healthy people we're gonna enroll, and prolong the, the, uh, the, the decrease rate of rise of the premiums throughout uh, more years. They have failed to do that. They yeah. in in and they know what they're doing. So they have actively contributed to increasing premiums and encouraging health insurance markets to 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 leave the uh, the exchanges. Now, every time I hear Donald Trump say Obamacare is in a death spiral, or that insurance companies are fleeing, or the premiums are going up, you know, my response is, well, what do you expect when you badmouth this program, right, for two years? It's a setup. It's a setup. The it's insurance companies start getting nervous. People start getting nervous. And then they say, well, you know, God, you know, now Trump's elected. He's going to get rid of this. So why should we invest in it if he's going to get rid of it? It's a setup. I it mean, is it's a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is, it is not a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is actively sabotaging yeah. Yeah. the healthcare yeah. system in order to create a right. narrative and, and, and push your long-term ideological solutions or ideas as part of a solution. Now, listen. Turning Medicaid into a per capita grant uh, program had nothing to do with the Affordable Care Act. It has nothing to do with Obamacare. This is what they've been trying to do for decades. Now they've created a scenario by actively hurting the exchanges, by actively creating uncertainty, by actively stopping the cost-sharing subsidies, by actively stopping the health insurance mitigation pools to worsen the premiums, to worsen health insurance exchange markets in order to say, Obamacare is yeah. failing. Obama's yeah. care is failing. Right. And in order to bring in their solution, and now everybody is out there, and all they hear from Donald Trump and and Speaker and President Trump and Speaker Ryan is that Obamacare is failing. But they're not telling the American people that they pulled the rug from sure, underneath them, and did. now saying, "See, you have fallen." But right. they pulled the rug to begin with. Right. So, what can is there? Do you have any hope that can still stop this bill? And what can people do? 
I, I believe that they have to narrowly focus on those uh, those Republicans. I believe that uh, that the moderates who have had more of a vocal backbone uh, yeah. in uh, in the Senate and saying how detrimental this is going to be for their patients, especially in Republican governor states who have opposed. Uh, this Trump care because it's going to hurt millions of people in their state with the mm-hmm. Medicaid changes. Medicaid, exp- uh, yeah. yeah. And then I think that uh, that that those are the ones that we that they have to focus. Does on. that mean phone calls? Does that mean that means the people in their state have to have to start making a ruckus? They have to raise a voice. You know, I'm. And they I'm, don't have much time to do it. And they don't have much time to do it. I think uh, McConnell. Uh, uh, is going to introduce a bill next week, like he says, you know, and uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm always hopeful. I'm an optimist. You know, I'm I wasn't able to, to, to get here from a farm worker trailer park uh, being a pessimist. <laughs> that's for sure. So I'm a fighter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't uh, I don't take no for an answer. I try to continue to fight to do what's best for the communities that that uh, that. And for the American people, so and your I'm message to, to people, do. if the, if they really want to pitch in here, would be just pick up the phone and call uh, their senator. Right. Continue say, with the town halls. Continue with yeah. the phone calls. Continue with, you know, trying to get in in uh, FaceTime with uh, with your senators, especially those that are concerned, those that are on the Medicaid ex- uh, program, uh, especially people fifty to sixty four years old, uh, to to go and tell your story. Tell your story. Get on social media. Talk about how this bill will affect you personally. Uh, get on the phone. Tell the people your story. Go to the press. Go to the media. Go to your local newspaper. Write a letter to the editor. Write an op-ed. Tell them your story. Uh, I think that, that, that people will underestimate the power of their own personal story. Uh, and, uh, They're and that's heartbreaking. What we need to like tell. These stories is exactly. the story you told, right? I exactly. mean, poor woman and the stories that they tell here. You hear this and you say, why are we doing this as a nation? You know, it's just, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's inhumane. So, you know, going from that farm worker trailer park to, uh, uh, to getting your medical license and doctor's license, that was one huge step and achievement. Why did you decide, that's a good life, why did you decide from there to go to wearing the pin of a member of the House of Representatives. <laughs> <laughs> it is precisely for these Republican and Democratic patients that I have seen in the emergency department. It is because I'm a doctor that I ran for Congress. Because as a physician, you're, you work within a scope of your practice with the tools that you have at your disposal at that moment, and you take care of one patient at a time. In the emergency department, you take care of 15 at a time, and they're all sick. Yeah. Um, but then you realize that they go home into a community and and they don't have the the gyms or the safe parks to exercise i've taken care of farm workers who have arthritis in their lower spine for bending over in 120 degree heat for, yeah. for years uh, uh, but don't have the money to pay for the fruits and vegetables that they help pick that you and i eat so they don't have the the nutritional base that, that we would recommend to anybody to live a better life. Uh, that they don't have the health insurance because they don't have a job 
with a livable wage that provides health insurance, that they're working, the, you know, middle class families now are working one or two jobs uh, part time that don't offer health insurance, that they're working hard, maybe two jobs and still can't afford their mm -hmm. kids education. Uh, and whenever I saw a, a, an adolescent or a kid in elementary middle school, part of my social history, you know, you're supposed to ask your social history, like the vaccines or, you know, oh, yeah. especially for, for teenagers, do you drink alcohol? Do you smoke cigarettes? Mm -hmm. uh, my social history is what college are you going to? Uh -huh. Because we yeah. know that a kid who, who graduates high school and goes to college has a much better chance of, of living longer, living healthier, and not only them, but their parents and their children. Mm. And it's transformational. So mm -hmm. these are all those social determinants of health that as a physician and a public health expert, I know that I could not address simply as a physician working in the emergency room. So I got out of my comfort zone took a risk and took a challenge, never having been in a campaign, never having held <laughs> office before in my life, to come here to advocate for my patients and for the communities and for the American people. Because like I mentioned when we started this, there is nobody else who will understand the sanctity of health, the frustration, the fears, uh, the anxiety of, of, of real people who have real critical problems in their lives than physicians and nurses who stay awake at their bedside, crying with them, caring for them, and doing everything possible, using every inch of their energy, of their education, of their knowledge to help this person feel better and get better. And there you get to the Congress, and here we are, that your area of expertise, right, you know, where you, your experience and your expertise uh, dovetails with the most important issue before the American people exactly. right now, right? And exactly. I mean, so here you are, you know, right on the inside, if you will, of the biggest issue yeah. that we're dealing with. Well, Bill, you know, yeah. my my wife and I um, uh, are doing this because it's it's a mission uh, in our life. Uh, I trust me, I'd rather be home. I have two adorable twin daughter girls. They're oh, two years whoa. old, Sky yeah. and Sage. They light up my oh, my life that. when I open the door, and yeah. they run to me screaming, "Daddy!" Uh, our financial health would have been better. Uh, we could be together a lot more if I wasn't mm -hmm. doing this. Uh, but we're doing this uh, precisely because we care about the American people. We have a vision for this country. We want to make life better for others. Uh, she believes in that mission. She believes in me. I believe in her. We're doing this together. Her name is Monica. And, and I believe that I, I am in the right place at the right time in my life, being a physician who can tell the stories of my Republican and Democratic patients. Well, we are so blessed that you are there. And someday, um, often being from California, uh, I want uh, your daughters, Skye and Sage, to meet our two California granddaughters. All right. Prairie and Willow. Get out. <laughs> so, yeah, how about that? Sky and Sage and Prairie and Willow. Yeah. Uh, California, yeah, right? Yeah. You never yeah, know. That's, that's you? awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you can put your driver's license that's away. Awesome. We know you guys are from California. Yeah. yeah. Well, even better, uh, <laughs> Joshua Tree National Park is in my district. Oh, oh nice. And that's, that's where I proposed to Monica was during the sunrise Oh. Uh, at Joshua Tree. I've been in that, that beautiful, beautiful park many times. That's a great, Very great beautiful. place. Sorry. Hey, Congress, it's great to see it's you. It's always a pleasure Continue to Continue to fight the good fight. Thank you. Uh, and we will be back with uh, Matt Laszlo. Matt Laszlo from Rolling Stone uh, coming in studio next. 
But I hope we're going to surprise you with a really good plan. You know, I've been talking about a plan with heart. I said, add some money to it. A plan with heart. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. video bill's commentary the best clips from the show all in one place youtube.com slash the bill press show it's friday it's friday june 23rd we're almost into the weekend not quite a little bit more here to talk about uh and more to hear for more time to hear from you before we head into this weekend we're coming to you live from washington dc as always our nation's capital and you find us just down the street from the United States Capitol building where uh, Mitch McConnell uh, took the lid off the cigar box and let the uh, Senate health care bill out of the uh, box yesterday. And no wonder they've been keeping it a secret because it stinks. We're brought to you today by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, the good men and women of the Teamsters Union under President Jim Hoffa. Doing great work. Uh, we all live better because of their good work. Check out their website at teamster.org, and we salute them, thank them for their support of the program. Matt Laszlo, adjunct professor at John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins, if you please, and contributor to Rolling Stone. You find him hanging around the United States Congress uh, trying to snare members of the Senate and House and get comments out of them when he's I'm, not here in studio. No, I'm usually just at the bars on the hill. Oh, that's right. Sure. Come on, yeah. you know me, Bill. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I always love when Matt says uh, to meet in his office, which is the Union Pub. <laughs> the Union Pub. Oh, <laughs> Rolling, Rolling Stone sent me there to cover the Comey hearing. We know that. They paid yes. me to drink at 9.30 a.m. <laughs> it was glorious. By the way, we went just down the we, street. I know. To we tune were in. at the tune in. I got paid to drink at nine thirty in the morning. It's pretty great, right? I, wa- I wanted to come visit you guys, but if I left, I got the last seat in Union Pub at like nine yeah, forty a.m. Yeah, and I was like, "Did you really? Yeah." And I needed my laptop there, and then yeah, I had to yeah. actually put my bag in my seat, and then I had to go stand by a plug for about an hour with my laptop just uh, to get more power. Uh, so here's what I want to know: at the Union Pub, where people like. Paying attention to the Comey testimony? Oh, yeah. There oh, was yeah. oohs and ahs. And that's kind of a Republican bar um, because it's right across the street from Heritage. But mm-hmm. it was a lot of tourists. There were some people in there playing hooky or working from home. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But in my piece, I was like, and then like the sea parted. A guy in a Grateful Dead <laughs> shirt walked in, and I, I just beelined it for him. I was like, uh, oh, my God, a real person. What are you doing he, here? He turned out to be in an uh, Entomologist. He studies insects. Is that what it is? Yeah, entomologist. Yeah. Um, he was freaking cool. Old hippie. They eat insects too. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> really? No. So I, I, I go up to him later. Of course. Don't you think? <laughs> Why not? I interviewed him, and then I go up to him later because I had a follow-up, and I was like, "If Trump was an insect, what would he be?" And he was instantly like dung beetle. Oh wow! <laughs> he made my piece. That's oh, perfect. Yeah, that is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there was, people were very attentive uh, at the tune-in also, and there was one a-hole who came in the who drunk? just thought it was a... a the, the, so there was one guy who wouldn't shut up. Wouldn't shut oh. up. Oh, yeah, and everybody was just scowling at him. Yeah. There was another guy who walked in who was just clearly there to get clearly, his yes. Budweiser yeah. at 10 a.m., yeah. and he just goes, what the F? There's nothing good to watch on TV? And everyone just like, shush, 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 shush. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, that also made my piece. Because I was texting Peter. I was like, 
Do you have any good color? He's like, oh, the two like frat boys who just ordered oh, yeah, Long the Island Brooks Brothers. Teas? The Brooks Brothers that got Long Island iced teas at yeah. ten in the morning. Who turned uh-huh. out to probably be Democrats? I think they might have been Democrats. Yeah. I think they might have. They been were Democrats. reading Ta-Nehisi Coates. <laughs> yeah, so. that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, oh, I missed that. All right. That was a wild day. <laughs> all right, so give us your prognosis. Uh, progno- whatever it was, a prognostication. I'm drunk myself. What uh, <laughs> is Mitch McConnell going to get up to? Fifty-one. Uh, by next week? I don't know. Um, who knows? I mean, we do have to start by saying Mitch is a master. Um, he knows what by he's doing. By the way, I hate to agree with you, but he is, man. Wish we had a Mitch McConnell. I know. In this, charge. <laughs> I know. And this is where he's an evil genius, uh, but genius nonetheless. So I don't know. He's got something up his sleeve. There was an interesting piece in the New York Times yesterday saying, you know, he's a master at the long game. So maybe he just wants this to fail. Um, bring it up and then get over it. You know, he wants to do tax reform. He would rather have that be his legacy. He doesn't... <laughs> I mean, there's a quote from him back in 2009 that Democrats own it. He got all of his Republicans to not even touch the health care bill, even though a lot of their amendments were included in Obamacare. Yeah, yeah. Let's not forget that. But he got his party to just... The marching orders were... Don't touch this. Leave it to the Democrats. Well, so now I don't think yeah. he wants to touch it. I don't think well, he wants his party's fingerprints that, that's on That's very this. interesting. Uh, the New York Times quotes his uh, memoir, which is 26, yep, 2016, called The Long Game, where he said, I wanted a clear on health care. Mm-hmm. I wanted a clear line of demarcation on this issue. They were for it. We were against it. Yep. Now, if this thing goes through, baby... The shoe is on the other foot. Oh, I know. Big time. Which is they why they own it. Which is why I think and they own a piece of, you know what? Yeah. Crap. No. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's interesting with Rand Paul and Cruz and these guys um, saying they're opposed to it because I don't think it. I don't think there's much sway there. I don't think I can give much more because then you lose the moderates. I mean, in a perfect world, maybe Democrats come to the table. Uh, not on this bill. Not on this bill. No. But let's face it. I mean, the healthcare system is effed. Yes. We we need some major changes. Well, because all these insurance companies. Part are, of the reasons it's effed is because Donald Trump has been bad mouthing it for the last two years, and Republicans have. And and I, it, we just talked about this with Congressman Ruiz that when you um, hear all this negativity, and and everybody's saying, "Well, we're going to repeal it," and those people are now in charge. You can understand why insurance companies are not going to expand or a lot of people are not going to sign up because they don't think it's going to be around. So they yeah. they have sabotaged it, as the congressman said. But but at any rate, if if the if the focus were to shift to what's wrong with it today, premiums going up, whatever, yeah. not enough people cover, whatever. How do we fix that? Democrats come to the table. Yeah. Which if it's what we're we going need. to take, we're going to gut Medicaid. Yeah. We're not we're not going to we're not. I mean, no freaking way uh, exactly but this is where i don't know in the perfect world you have 70 u.s senators fixing this bill or 65 yeah yeah just going for 51 is stupid because no. what is it 51 senators can represent about like 25 percent of the u.s population i believe is the number or 30 no it's, that's a very good point because you could get to the way this yeah. senators are chosen, and two for every state, no matter what the population is, you could get to 51 w- without any people 
yep. representative. Just caribou. Yep. It's true. <laughs> and and elk. <laughs> and sheep. <laughs> I don't know what else. Coyotes. <laughs> Grizzlies. <laughs> Maybe we can expand it. Oh, it's true. Let's expand I'll it. bet you. Let's and expand Obamacare to caribou. I'll, I'll bet you in those states, right? There are more sheep represented than people in the fifty in the in their fifty one. That would be that you ought to do that piece. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Right. Sure. Head, head or pigs. At wild yeah. wild horses. <laughs> <laughs> right. More more than than human than human beings. Uh, well, so when you're there, you know, I, I, and you're talking to these Senators are coming. I mean, you must find some of the Republicans have to be a little uneasy about what they're doing. Oh, well, going in yesterday, Lisa Murkowski said it best. She's going into this closed door meeting at like 9.30 a.m., hasn't seen the bill. And a reporter, Haley uh, Bird, I believe, from IJ Review, asked her, have you seen the bill yet? She goes, no, because I'm not a reporter and I'm not a lobbyist. Mm. Mm. So she said, if I were a lobbyist... I would have seen the bill last night, uh, which is so Whoa. telling. Yeah. It's going to be hard to get her vote. Um, and she, she's not even that moderate. Right. <laughs> you know, I right. mean, she is in this Congress, but that's not saying much. John Boehner became a moderate in the last Congress. and He's like one of the most conservative people ever. But yeah. he wasn't enough for the Tea Party. So they're, this is really going to test the Republican Party. Um, and it's going to test McConnell's leadership. Um, but quite frankly, he doesn't care that much about it. He doesn't want his fingerprints on it, like we were saying. Um, and he doesn't care about throwing people off the rolls or, you know. Right, yeah. He just doesn't care. <laughs> He's got, he wants to cut taxes for his donors. Um, so we'll see. Well, but, but if they, whatever happens to this, um, McConnell's really more interested in trying to do something with tax reform. Yep. Isn't he? That's what I he mean, wants. That's, that's his legacy. I read yesterday something about after he released this bill, he didn't spend the rest of the day working on it or talking to senators. Yeah. They had a meeting on tax reform. Yeah. yeah. That's what he wants. Yeah. Because, um, quite frankly, it is Obamacare. It's not going to become Trump care. Um, and McConnell, he doesn't really want his members to have to walk the plank. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's kind of forcing them to, but I think that's pressure from the White House. Well, the, are the chances any greater president. for getting a uh, a meaningful kind of, whatever that means, tax reform bill, or is it just going to be a big another big tax cut bill? Oh, it's going to be a tax cut bill. They yeah. say they want to shorten it. I don't know. They're, that's going to be an interesting one, too, because you have big disagreements in the GOP on that. Democrats currently are a little bit at the table yeah. on tax reform, which... Um, you know, it's a little bit heartening, but then you have other Republicans who are trying to say, no, let's do that via reconciliation too. Just you 51. You know what's amazing is, so they just, again, if they pass this bill, this is a massive tax cut, This the health care bill. Yeah. Right, $600 billion that goes from poor middle-class Americans to yeah. the wealthiest of Americans, right? Yeah. So that's, they've already got a $600 billion tax cut. And on top of that, yeah, they say, we want to we, now we want to do tax reform and and have a big tax cut for the wealthiest of and big corporations and the wealthiest of Americans. I mean, how many freaking tax cuts do they need? Do you remember there was this guy who ran for president last time? 
I think his name was Donald Trump, oh. but he like ran as a populist oh, yeah. and talked about like he said the my <laughs> my friends on Wall Street are going to pay higher taxes. Remember that? Oh yeah. I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe I smoked weed before I came on, and I'm just a little cloudy this morning. <laughs> but I seem to remember that. Um, there he is. <laughs> liar, liar, the last liar. It's yeah. so funny because even Trump's base, they don't hold him to account. He can. He was right. He can literally shoot someone on Wall Street, shoot someone at the White House. And they'll say, oh, that was fine. Mm -hmm. um, but his supporters really need to start standing up to him and be like, yo, just promise us what you ran on. Um, because that was some populist stuff. Um, he, there was many similarities between him and Bernie. Um, and there was yeah. a little crossover there. It's so gone. Uh, so I want to ask you about a couple of other issues. Um, Donald Trump yesterday uh, admitting... Uh, I was just pulling your leg. <laughs> I didn't really tape James Cameron. No, no, there weren't any tapes. Should we believe him? No. <laughs> the one thing Donald Trump has taught all of us is never believe a thing he says. Um, and then when he comes out and says it and goes out of his way to say it, be even more skeptical. Right. Uh, let's read, uh, Peter, if you can again, I'll pull that up there. Uh, this is the... Uh, a tweet which we know that Donald Trump did not write himself uh, because it has some uses some words in it which um, he's actual punctuation here. Yeah, uh, Donald Trump uh -huh. yesterday. Here, here was the tweet. Afternoon says with all of the recently reported electronic surveillance, intercepts, unmasking, and illegal leaking of information. Which, by the way, all of those things were spelled correctly, which is a <laughs> shocker. Uh, comma, I have no idea whether there are tapes or recordings of my conversations with James Comey, but I did not make and do not have any such recordings. Huh. Everything spelled correctly, all of the punctuation where it should be. And that first, not read, that, read that first. With all of the recently reported electronic surveillance, intercepts, unmasking, and illegal leaking of information. That's not Donald Trump. No, that's no way. That's, no. no way. <laughs> But he, but I want to play a little montage here that Jamie put together. So this for the last three weeks, hmm. this is what kind of what we've heard from the White House on this issue. The tweet speaks for itself. Uh, I'm moving on. Why won't you just explain whether or not there are recordings? Of I think the president's made it clear what his position is. That's not my question. I've seen the tweet about tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. Well, I'll tell you about that maybe sometime in the very near future. The president has said that he will make an announcement on this. I expect it this week. Um, and so when he's ready to, to make that announcement, we'll let you know. I'm not aware of anything. I think um, his statement here is pretty clear. <laughs> All this dancing around. I know. So well, what, is it, what did he get? I'll tell you one thing he got out of that original thing where he said uh, James Comey had better, not, had better hope there are no tapes is he got James Comey's memos. Yeah. Comey leaked his memos because he heard about there might be tapes. I know. And those memos led to his hearing <laughs> back to where we started, right at the Union Pub, and at the uh, and while we were watching at the t at the tune in. Uh, hardly, uh, you know, hardly did Donald Trump any good, right? But the thing about Trump, he's kind of if McConnell's an evil genius, Trump might be just evil most of the time. But in this case, I'd say he's an evil genius. When does he release that? The same day the Senate drops their long-awaited secretive yeah, health care yeah, bill. Yeah. So then Cable starts playing this stupid tweet instead right. of covering this crappy yeah. bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Trump 
Trump won the day. No, that was timed. That was so timed. Right. Although in no this re- case, I, I might disagree with you. He 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 got the attention. He added another story and he yeah. diverted attention for a little bit. But the number one story is still the health care bill. I yeah. Think. yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was surprised. The New York Times, it's way buried inside. Oh, by the way, Donald Trump said there are no tapes. Well, and part of that's because yeah. you can't trust him. Yeah. Yes. This now yes. makes me actually think there are tapes. Um, mm-hmm. More so than before. Because remember, he used to record reporters when he was up in uh, yes. New York, when he was just the real estate mogul. Right. Um, and uh, he actually, remember posed as a uh, as his own PR person. Yes, <laughs> sure did. What was the name? Oh, something oh. Baron. John Baron, wasn't it? John yeah. Baron. John Baron. Yeah, <laughs> John Baron. Right. Also, his porn name. Yeah, right. John Baron. All right. So there's another issue that's going on. Um, ever since Tuesday, and a uh, uh, a loss for Democrats in Georgia's sixth congressional district. Uh, there have been um, a clutch of. Democratic House members who say, you know, maybe it's time uh, that we had a little new leadership. Uh, Leader Pelosi had held a news conference yesterday, pretty defiant, uh, and she basically said, bring it on. Here she is. I respect any opinion that my members have, uh, but um, uh, my decision about how long I stay is not up to them. She <laughs> doesn't look like she's going anywhere, she's Matt. She's so out of touch. Yeah, she is. They, remember in the old days... You lose, like even Gingrich, his party lost seats, and he stepped down as party leader because he was a known entity. He was the face of the party. Um, you see this in British elections. She is so out of touch. Republicans have successfully run campaigns against her. We saw this in Georgia, but they've done it the past few cycles. They talk more about Pelosi than they did about um, Trump or whatever. Um Pelosi is a known entity. Um, they talk more about her than they did Ossoff in Georgia. Yep. I mean, she's a toxic brand. Um, yeah, I think she's a little delusional. And the fact that the party sticks with her because she's, oh, a great fundraiser, and that's her argument. Guess what? If you don't want to be the party of big money, <laughs> goodbye. I, you know, you I, have know? Say, I, I have to say, Nancy Pelosi, I don't think, gets nearly enough credit for what she did for the Democrats Amen. during George W. Bush and during Barack Obama's yep. presidencies. I think she was an absolute friggin' rock star. And we talk all the time about Mitch McConnell and how savvy of a politician he is. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi has all of that and then some. So I, don't even I call really it, do think so. I don't even call it Obamacare. I call it Pelosi care. Yeah, she's the one who got it over. She the made it line. happen. Yeah, she it, made it happen. It would not, it would not exist. She because did remember so Rahm, much Rahm heavy Emanuel, lifting. Rahm Emanuel was ta- telling Obama at the time, "Drop this hot potato," yep. and Nancy said, "Over my dead body." Yeah, yep. And I think that is something that Democrats everywhere need to realize, and we owe her a great debt of gratitude. Hmm. All of that being said, yeah, it's it's time. Yeah, she, um, yeah, she, time to the, go. The, the, she's been a phenomenal leader. She really hasn't doesn't get enough credit for it. But it is true also that she now has become, uh, in many areas of the country, certainly toxic, yeah. with a BS argument, you know, that that she's so evil in these liberal yeah. San Francisco yeah. values, which I take offense at particularly. <laughs> um, but at any rate, um, she's defiant as well, and and uh, so I would say she's not going to she's not going to step down. Well, and then the other question I have, you agree? I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. But then the 
the question also for the progressives who are calling for her to leave, and even some in the middle now, who takes her place? Right. Yeah. Lawyer? Some old white dude from Maryland? So. No. no, it would have to be one of the uh, younger members. One of the young And, of course, Tim Ryan ran against her the last time. He has said he would not challenge him again if he had an well, Tim, opportunity. I Tim think Ryan he would, would have been a terrible leader. Because? Because he's a young... He doesn't... He's worthless. Want to hear a funny story? Whoa, wait, wait a minute. Wanna I like a, Tim Ryan. Want to hear a funny story? He's our, he's our bud. I like Tim Ryan. Can yeah. I tell you a story of a coked up Tim Ryan from uh, like <laughs> seven, eight years ago? Oh, God. I was, I was at... Oh, God, Matt. I was at... I was well, at Union... I, I like him even more. Yeah. I was... <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was at Union Pub at like 2 a.m. and I see a drunk Tim Ryan stumbling and then some young girl gets out of a cab... The two of them go in. We, uh, 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 Tim, okay. Tim Ryan sits next to me at the bar, but he's got his back to me. He is grinding his teeth so much, he was coked out of his mind. It was amazing. I give the bartender a picture of him, because he's like, that's not a congressman. This guy's way too hammered, way too high to be a congressman. I give him a picture of Tim Ryan, he goes, holy shit. That's... <laughs> That's a congressman. Uh, you know we're on air, right? <laughs> hey. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> Tim Ryan. That's our leader. That's our leader. I love him. That's my first time telling that story. I love him. Uh, <laughs> I've been waiting to drop that in Rolling Stone, but maybe you guys la- get it first. Maybe your last time on the show, too. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you still got my vote. Um, so, uh, <laughs> with uh, 30 seconds left, Pothead, what's happening on the Pot Caucus in the Senate? You wrote, you've written about that. Um, you have an, a new bill where... Uh, Senator Booker and Al Franken and Gillibrand are teaming up with Mike Lee and Rand Paul to get out. Legalize medical marijuana. Yes. It also would allow medical vet- marijuana. Big deal. Well, it would allow states that have already done it. Well, Jeff Sessions. Yeah. Oh, he, sure, he wants right. to use the DEA and yeah, the DOJ yeah. to go, um, yeah. go in uh, to these spots. But uh, it also, interesting carve outs, it would allow children with epilepsy in states mm. where marijuana is illegal, even for medicinal purposes, to get CBD oils for their kids, because uh, it really yeah. reduces seizures. It would also allow veterans to be prescribed weed but that's in VA hospitals. Yeah, talk Baby about, steps, but talk about reaching across the aisle, right? Yeah. 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 That would be no. great. So. Pot brings people together. It does. There it is. All right. Matt Lazlo. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in and uh, making it even more, li- even more li- <laughs> lively day than we thought. Uh, hey, that's it for the week. That's it for the week. Now it's your weekend. Enjoy it and come back and see us this on Monday. This is Matt. the Bill Press Show.